بسم الله إن الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. I welcome you all to this one-day seminar organized by Kalima Islamic Center. Kalima is a community center for new and born Muslims. Our main areas of focus are preaching Islam to non-Muslim, orientation and education of Muslims, converts, and offering classes in various Islamic subjects to Muslims in Dubai. We also organize and host recreational and social events. Alhamdulillah, Kalima was founded in 2007 and is managed by a board of Emirati nationals, an executive committee, and a staff over a dozen full-time employees. We operate based on charitable donations from philanthropic individuals, organization, and governmental bodies. Kalima is a non-profit organization officially registered under the Islamic Affairs and Charitable Activities Department, Government of Dubai. Our mission is to propagate the pristine, unadulterated teachings of Islam to Muslims and non-Muslims in Dubai in the most effective and appropriate way. Our vision, inshallah, is to have the souls of the nation connected to their creator. Our slogan is to learn Islam in your own language. Brothers and sisters, the Prophet said, the heart that truly in the body there is a morsel of flesh. If it's healthy and all the body is healthy, and which if it's diseased, all the body is diseased. Truly, this is the heart. Al-Bukhari and Muslim. The spiritual health of the heart is affected by the evils of sin, like envy, pride, despair, evil desires, arrogance, etc. These sins, the sins when left unchecked cover the heart until the heart loses its spiritual life and is hardened. Preventing the goodness of Iman, Taqwa, Tawakkal, Khushu and extra. From developing a healthy heart that is acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who says in the Quran, Surah Shar, Ayat 88-89, the day whereon neither wealth or nor sons will avail, but only he will prosper that brings to Allah a sound heart. Most of us have been or are affected by sickness of the heart, and it is crucial to gain an understanding of how to develop a sound heart that is acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the seminar, the teacher will discuss the following, inshallah. The importance of the heart from Islamic perspective, identify qualities of a healthy heart, identify disease of the heart, clarify the negative impacts of sins on the heart, the supplication dua for reformation of the heart, learn how to develop an individual action plan for spiritual health. The agenda for the day is inshallah we start the first session now, the session ends at 12 o'clock for Juma Salah and the lunch break. We start the next session after that at 1.45, which runs all the way to Asr Azan. We break off for Asr and come back at 4.45 and the session till Maghrib, inshallah. Before we begin, a general classroom etiquette. If I can remind everybody to put your phones on silence or switch them off, it's just that we forget when we come in. Just make sure it's done. Avoid unnecessary movement during the class, inshallah. Adhere to the agenda which we are the team Kalima announced. And importantly, give the teacher the break time he deserves. Inshallah, it's a long seminar. We would request you to refrain from asking questions in the break time. 
everybody will be having their chance to ask the questions during the seminar. Avoid bringing in tea, wo uh, tea, coffee, or any uh, eatables inside. The water is okay, inshallah. And if you have any queries, you can ask any of the Team Kalima members or myself during the seminar. Alhamdulillah, uh, there is a workbook provided. If uh, everybody should have got it at the registration table. If you have not, uh, we have got books available. Utilize this th through the seminar. The Ustad will be telling you more about the workbook, inshallah. Last but not least, about the teacher. Ustad Abu Abdul Razak Tahir White is from Philadelphia, USA. He has a PhD in Aqidah from the Islamic University of Medina. Having graduated from the Institute of Arabic Language, the Faculty of Hadith, with a pre-graduate diploma in Dawah. During his time in Medina, he was appointed by the royal degree to teach in the Prophet's Masjid in Medina in English, and was also translating the Jummah Khutbah live. Without further ado, I will request Sheikh Tahir Wahid, our beloved Sheikh, to start the seminar. Fadl Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. Nahmadu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiru. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyati amalina. May ahdihillah fala mudillalah, wa may yudlil fala hadiyalah. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Today is a is a very special day for me um, because it's been a, a dream of mine for a long time to compile 40 hadith like the scholars of the past uh, used to do and try to emulate them. And the topic that we're going to cover today is a topic that's very dear to me and it's a topic that I think is very important for uh, all of us to revisit and understand. Um, I, like many other Muslims, um, have spent uh, a lot of time trying to figure out my obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so for example, one of the first things, you know, we think about the things that we teach our children or we think about the things we teach a new Muslim, it's the first thing you think of. I'm asking, by the way. Look, this is too long for me to talk. So everybody's got to, to make this work, everybody's going to talk, inshallah. What is the first thing you, you find people teaching a new Muslim? Huh? Salat, huh? Tawheed? No, no, no. Shahada, they learned, they, they took Shahada. Khalas. They're a new Muslim now. Salat. And before Salat, what do they have to do? Tahara. So, so you find people wudu. And do you, should you go through your fingers like this? or not, and the beard, how exactly do we do it? And we, subhanAllah, we're very keen on a lot of the external aspects of Islam and, and how we're supposed to fast and how we're supposed to pray and how we're supposed to make hajj. And yani, the other uh, arkan of Islam and the conditions for each of those, you know, conditions for salat, your wajibat was salat, what are you supposed to do, what you can't do, and if you miss something, do you make the Jews sahut to the end of it, right? So we try to learn about how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is a very good thing and it's important. At the same time, what I realized is that many of us 
focus on the external at the expense of the internal, right? And so this is where this idea came about, to gather 40 hadith about the heart because it seemed like we're not spending enough time trying to understand the intricacies of our hearts. Uh, the, the very thing that when it is sound and upright, as our Messenger said, it ensures that our actions will be sound and upright. And, uh, you know, I, I looked back at some of the statements of the early scholars of Islam. Uh, one of the Salaf said about Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala, and ma fadala Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was not more virtuous than the people because he prayed a lot or because he fasted a lot. And it doesn't mean that he didn't pray and he didn't fast quite a bit when compared to other people. But that wasn't what made him more virtuous than other people. In fact, there are people today who are better than some of the people who prayed behind the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Do you agree with that statement? I'm just trying to make sure you're awake. No. Yes? How, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Are you actually saying that somebody today can be better than the Sahaba? Oh. So I'm going to say this again. There are people today that are better than, those, than some of those who prayed behind the messenger, Sallallahu True or false? True. Because some of the people who prayed behind the messenger, Sallallahu were munafiqun. They were hypocrites. They prayed behind him. They fasted with him. Some of them even went out for jihad. Some of them even went out. Some of them even gave sadaqah, not because they really were giving sadaqah, but because they wanted to push off any idea that they might be hypocrites. Okay? But what's the difference between them and the sahaba? Was it the external actions only? No, it was the heart. It was the heart. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu was not more virtuous because of his salat and because of his siyam, his prayers and his fasting. But it was because of something that took firm root in the heart. And that something was iman. And all of the actions that are associated with iman. And so when pondering this, I I sought Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's aid in looking at the ahadith of the Messenger وسلم, that relate to the heart in general, the actions of the heart, reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gratitude, loving Allah, fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having hope in Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, the diseases of the heart, du'as related to the heart, to the end of it. And I just want to say that I know that some people come to seminars not really knowing what to expect. Or maybe their parents dragged them to the seminar. Friday morning, I want to be playing cricket or something, right? But 
the, the reality is, is that I, I sincerely believe that if you can stick in until the end, that this will be a life-changing experience, inshallah ta'ala. Um, it, is, it is not often that we get the opportunity to get so much relevant information at one time, and hopefully that we can, uh, you know, apply it to our lives, bi'idnillahi ta'ala. So, um, if you, if inshallah ta'ala, we can get through as many of these ahadith as possible, um, and I'll, I'll explain to you the approach that we're going to take, bi'idnillahi ta'ala, and then you go back and you read these hadith next week and the week after from time to time. Inshallah, hopefully it'll help our hearts to become softer and pure, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and become alive. And you, you want your heart to be alive. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لِذِكْرَى لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبٌ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, in, in that, in the, rest, in the Quran itself, there is a reminder, but for those who have hearts, and as the scholars of tafsir say, that is hearts that are alive. The hearts have to be alive in order for them to benefit from the Quran. As you heard uh, our brother Salman mention, um, the 40 hadith are going to cover the following main themes. We're going to start out talking about the nature of the heart and its, and its importance. And there's some other things directly related to that, that is dua related to the heart, and uh, those ahadith that talk about iman specifically, that's what we're going to cover up until 12 o'clock, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, in the second session, we're going to cover uh, hadiths 11 through 27, inshallah or whatever we can of those ahadith. And those are devotional acts of the heart. Loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loving for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, hoping in Allah, fear of Allah, good thoughts about Allah, yani gratitude. These are all very important topics and we need to be aware of them. And then the last session, we're going to cover disease of the heart, diseases, illnesses of the heart, uh, heart failure, if you will, when the heart dies, and practical ways to ensure a sound heart. Um, and that last, that last session is extremely important. I didn't intentionally save the best for last, but uh, this is just the natural flow of the hadith, inshallah ta'ala. Each, each one of those uh, uh, themes, if you will, have several uh, subtopics, several ahadith under them. And um, the way we're going to do this is as follows, inshallah ta'ala. So, number one, each one of you needs to pick a partner right now. So, if you pick a partner and then there's just this one guy sitting off to the side by himself, then we'll allow three people, huh? No, now, you have to pick. So I, I just need to see you, like, show some kind of uh, idea that you have a partner. Where's your partner? Okay, where's your partner? No, then you have to be with them. Okay. Either two or three. I prefer two, 
Because three is like cheating for the other people that only have two. Three heads are better than two, right? All right. So why are you picking a partner? As you can see on your screen, we have hadith that says hadith one, right? Which we're going to get to in a minute. On the top of it, it says chapter. Okay. Any, any of you familiar with Sahih al-Bukhari? Yes? So Sahih al-Bukhari, oh, most of the books of hadith, they, they break it down into different parts. Those parts, they call books, right? So our first book here, book one, is the nature of the heart and its importance. Under each book, you're going to have chapters. You and your partner have to make titles for the chapters, okay? So what's going to happen is we're going to read the hadith together. That means I'm going to read the hadith. We're going to read the hadith together. Then with your partner, you're going to have to come up with a title for that hadith, keeping in mind how this hadith relates to the larger part that we're under. Okay, so we're going to do the first one together, maybe the second one together, and then after that, the other 38 you're going to be doing with your partner. Is that clear? Okay, so that's, that's um, number one. You have to pick a partner. Second thing, as I mentioned, we're going to read the hadith together. Third thing is that you're going to have a minute, and I mean 60 seconds because I have my timer here. You'll have 60 seconds to come up with the title with your partner. Who's your partner? Where's Salman? Okay. Everybody has to have a partner. There's no exceptions. Kalima does not get out of the, uh, yeah, okay, alhamdulillah. We're good? Alhamdulillah. Okay, the last thing that you just need to know before we actually get started, inshallah, is that with 40 hadith, it is absolutely impossible to do an exhaustive yani, survey of any of these hadith. Okay, so the idea is we'll look at the ahadith, do a very brief explanation. We'll talk about how it's important to our subject, which is a sound heart. And then, inshallah ta'ala, we'll move on. Because we do want to get through as many as possible. Um, I do have a little surprise after the third hadith, inshallah ta'ala. But it'll be a nice one, bi'idhnillah. And there's no prizes, there's no money. I'm sorry. That's not the surprise. Okay. Um, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to bless this gathering, to grant us ikhlas, to increase us in knowledge and to purify our hearts and make us from amongst his righteous servants. We ask him to give us the best in this life and the best in the next and to give us a husn al-khatima. ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the best end and to give us the highest stations in paradise. Tayyip, part one, part one. Who has the mic here? Yeah? No, no, you, you keep the mic, inshallah. Can you read the book one for us? Somebody, just read it out loud. What is book one? The nature of the heart and its importance. Okay, who wants to tell me what the heart is? Oh, nobody's on the camera. I, I can't sit for seven hours, I'm sorry. No problem. Okay, who wants to tell me what is, what is your heart? What is, what is a sound heart? What is that? What is the heart? Bismillah, take a stab at it. Sorry? Again? This, uh, it's a vital organ. Okay, so it's a vital organ that pumps blood through the body. Part of your circulatory system. Okay, that's great. What does that have to do with 
um, Iman. What does that have to do with gratitude? What does that have to do with love? It's the, it's the emotional epicenter, except for the fact that most physicians would disagree with you. Like, anybody else? Any physicians here, by the way? Have any doctors? Like, yes, yes. It's where your intentions lie. Again, except that most physicians would disagree with you. So, uh, okay. The, the heart, the heart in, in Arabic and even in English, actually. So we'll just talk about it in English. The, the heart of something is the core of something, right? You say, let's get down to the heart of the issue, the heart of the matter. Even, even in Arabic, it has that same meaning, okay? Huwa khalisu shayt. So the heart is the core of something. That, that's one definition of, of the heart. Uh, the, the word qalb in, in Arabic, right? Because that's, that's what we're talking about when we talk about heart. That the trilateral root is the qaf, lamb, and a bat, right? So that's one meaning is that it's qalis shaykh. The other thing and it's important for our study, actually, to understand, is when you turn something over, taqlibuhu, right? So that's, that is part of the, the, the meaning of the word qalb, qalbu shaykh. So it goes back to those two meanings. And when you want to know that in the Arabic language, by the way, for those of you who have studied Arabic, you're studying Arabic, there's a very important dictionary. It's called Maqais al-Lugha by Ibn Faris. Maqais al-Lugha. By Ibn Faris. What he does is he tries to take every word back, every trilateral root, and even those that are four and five letters, to take them back to one meaning. Sometimes it turns out to be more than that, so there's two meanings. So if we look at the word heart, right, it's lexical definition from the standpoint of anatomy. It is what again, Ahi? Go ahead. What did you say it was? Oh, that's not the, somebody else said it. Here, a vital organ, okay? So it is the, the organ that pumps your blood. Okay. But you said it was what? It is the emotional epicenter. I love that definition, honestly. We, we, can, we can work with that. Um, and, and in fact, in some dictionaries, it said it, it does say that it is the vital center and source of one's emotions, right? Now, what I was saying is that many neurological physicians would tell you that, no, your emotions are centered where? In your brain. That your emotions are centered in your brain. And the reality is, is that there's no doubt that there's a major connection between your heart and your brain. And that the heart sends signals to the brain, medically, I mean, this is something that physicians recognize, that your heart sends signals to your brain and that your brain sends signals to your heart as well. Which one sends more? The heart. The heart actually sends more signals to the brain than vice versa. Uh, and so when we talk about the heart in Islam, 
Are we just talking, this is the point that I really want to get to. Are we just talking about that organ? Or is it something a little deeper than that? It's deeper, and that's why many of the scholars of Islam say that when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about an abstract concept, something unseen, that takes place in that organ. But it's not something that we can necessarily put our fingers on. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Right now, if there was a Muslim this Muslim gets a heart transplant. The donor was a non-Muslim. Does the Muslim now take the heart of the non-Muslim and now become a kafir? After the after the after the the amalia, what do you call it? The surgery. After the operation, is he going to come? going to wake up and he's not going to know how to pray anymore. He's not going to know how to fast. He's not going to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. And so the idea is that we're not just talking about that physical heart, even though this is the place, the chest is the place where this intangible idea that we're talking about is Located, and I'm putting that in quotations. And we know this from the hadith of the Prophet where when he was young, Jibreel did what? Took his heart out and he washed it, right? So we know that there's something directly related to the heart. Exactly how that works is not even important for us to know. Because what we do know is how to correct the heart. We do know how to work on what we're referring to as the heart. So when we talk about your love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when we talk about hasid or envy, and we know what that does inside of us, and we know how to correct it by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's leave. So this is what we're talking about. Whether, whether someone wants to say, hypothetically, that his heart is in his toes, Okay, fine, whatever you want to believe. However, what we're talking about is how to correct it and the importance of this concept that we're talking about. Is that, is that clear? Because I don't want to move forward and we start talking about the heart and then somebody says, well, you know, th this organ that pumps blood, we know that this is not exactly where your feelings are located. But because there's that connection, it's very difficult to tell. And there's only so much that medicine can do at the end of the day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about this when he said, Ya'lamuna zahiran min al-hayat dunya They know, talking about the non-Muslims, that they know what is apparent from yani, superficial knowledge at the end of the day. And anybody whose heart is not connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who does not know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and does not know the hereafter, then what they know is superficial. Their paradigm is very skewed. The lens that they view the world through is very skewed because they don't have any iman. We're going to read the first hadith together, inshallah. It's the hadith. Uh, there's some issues with the Arabic here, but uh, I'll go through that as we, as we start, inshallah. The, the first hadith is the hadith of An-Nu'man ibn Bashir. An-Nu'man ibn Bashir one of the famous companions of the Messenger of Allah because of this hadith. And 
the reality is, is that he was very young when he heard this hadith from the Prophet Does anybody know how old he was? Six, six, seven, eight, and he was extremely young. And this is a, uh, not that this is part of our seminar, but it's very important for parents to recognize the the idea of exposing their children to the teachings of the Prophet the teachings of Islam in general. A lot of times we wait till it's too late to have them in gatherings and things like this. Many of the scholars of the past, this hadith, by the way, is a famous hadith in the 40 hadith of who? Anoli. Who explained that, the 40 hadith? The, the most famous explanation was who? Ibn Rajib. Ibn Rajib used to go to, this, to the scholars of hadith when he was four years old. And he was narrating. Like, he actually has narrations from the time he was four years old. Do you think that he just got out of bed one day and decided to go to the masjid and listen to the sheikh speak hadith? He had a father. He had parents. He had people in his family who were very concerned about his well-being and nurturing him. Like, this hadith of the man of Bashir, Okay? The halal is clear. And the haram is clear. And in some narrations, mushtabihat. Okay. Halal is clear. And haram is clear. Between them, there are gray areas, things that are not exactly clear. So, for example, stealing. Halal, haram, or that's a gray area? Haram. Drinking water. Halal. Uh, gray areas. Gray areas. Investing in the stock market. Haram? Halal? The Prophet said, That they are not known by many of the people. Did he say all of the people? No. So, I only brought this up to clarify something. What is clearly haram, most of the Muslims know. What is clearly halal, most of the Muslims know. There are other areas which are considered to be gray areas, but what may be gray for you may not be gray for me and vice versa. The more you learn about your deen, the smaller the gray area becomes. Okay, so it'll either start going clearly halal or clearly haram. And it's impossible that there is any issue related to our deen that somebody in the world, yani some Muslim in the world, some scholar does not know about. It's, it, that's impossible. All right? So there's nothing about the deen that is totally unknown. What is gray is relative. What is gray is relative. Somebody 
may be very clear to him that it's haram, and for somebody else it may be very clear, yani not the same issue, but for something may be very clear that it's halal, like investing in the stock market, but that's another topic. And not all of it is halal, but that's a different story. Like, clear, unclear, and we have gray areas. Man ittaqa shubuhat the Prophet said, whoever avoids those doubtful matters, he will be cleared in regard to his religion and regard to his honor. He'll be cleared. The word is the same word that they use in, in the courts. Okay? Innocent. Why is he innocent? Because if he stays away from the gray areas, then it's impossible that he's done anything that is haram. So therefore, he is, he's clear. He is cleared of any wrongdoing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is also cleared as it relates to his honor. Why? Yeah, because other people will not be able to say anything about him. Because what he's doing is clearly halal, inshallah ta'ala. Whoever falls into doubtful matters will fall into the unlawful as the shepherd who pastures near a sanctuary, all but grazing therein. Every king has a sanctum, a place that is sacred. And Allah's sanctum is his prohibitions. Okay, look, ikhwan, brothers and sisters, if we consider this uh, table here, okay, to be the pasture. Yani, think of yourself as a shepherd, and you have a flock, right? But as soon as you get to the end of this table, what's going to happen? If the, if the sheep goes off the table, it's going to, it's going to fall. Think of small sheep, not the, not the one you slaughter for adha, like a small fake one. And if it falls, what's going to happen? It's going to destroy itself. It's going to destroy itself. Now, the Prophet gave us a different example. He's talking about the pasture, but at the borders of this pasture are the, is the land of the king. It's the land of the king. And you know that if you go anywhere near that land, you're going to be punished. You're going... You're going to be punished. What are you going to do with your sheep? You're going to make sure that they don't even get to the border, that there's some kind of barrier between the sheep and the king's pasture, if you will, or the king's sacred area, his sanctum. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibitions. You have this area in which you can do whatever you want to do, inshallah. But once you go beyond that, you are being disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those are his prohibitions. You have to stay away from them. And that is why some of the scholars of Islam, the early scholars of Islam used to say that you will never have true faith until you put a barrier of halal between you and the haram. Huh. What does that mean? How do you put a barrier of halal between you and haram? Anybody have an example? 
A real life example. Yes. To get married. Getting married is halal? No, it might be wajib. Depends. Yes. Allahu Akbar. That's a very good example. To, it's, it's a little different than what we talked about, but it's a good example. Praying sunnahs 